Andrew Martin. And I'm Adam Manis. Welcome to the You'll Hear It podcast. Today we're going to give you seven non-jazz albums for jazz heads. Jazz heads, is that like a, what is that, kind of some kind of uh, like doll or something the kids are playing with? Yeah, now? like a jazz head. head bo- was yeah, that? I'm a talking bot bobblehead doll. Like there's Nat King Cole and is going That's out. right. Oh. Well, these are like, you know, hey, I'm a jazz guy and I don't listen to non-jazz albums. That, no, this is cool. And I, I'm looking here at our list and these are very like standard things that I think all jazz musicians could get a lot out of. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think that you'll find that these are records that a lot of jazz musicians that we know, really good players and stuff, are already certainly hip to. But I, there's probably some maybe that you're not. And I'd love to hear from you guys because I'm always, you know, thinking about this. Like I've always listened to music. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like throughout my life, I've never actually predominantly listened to jazz. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I have certainly during times and like learning souls and I love jazz. And I mean, if I could only listen to one thing, it probably would be that. Totally. But I've always been kind of just like listening to great recordings. And I, I because I was lucky, I came up with that, you know, um, the end of this sort of LP period, just a little bit, I caught some of that. And then early CDs, I did do a lot of like full document listening kind of things. And so you kind of get into just the art form. It's almost like, do I like abstract painting or, you know, realist painting or European or African or, or Asian paint? I mean, they're all within the painting world, but they're so different. Like, I just kind of like stuff within that whole recording, um, you know, an album and, and what, what you can do with that classical jazz, R&B, Absolutely. hip-hop. I mean, so many great things. I'm totally on board with you. And I think one of the great things about playing jazz is that it's so malleable and, and anymore it's so open that you can incorporate lots of different elements from other styles of music, from rock and R&B and classical and all this stuff into jazz. And it's totally natural. I mean, the, the, the people who set up, the, the geniuses who set up this form that we play. Yep were so ahead of their time as far as like, you know, setting up a, a form that is fun to throw just about anything at and it sticks it's, and it's fun to play. Right, right. So, yeah, what we have here, is, so there's seven albums that I think do have, I think on all these, there's some kind of jazz connection. I mean, none of them were really jazz records, although it doesn't really matter what you call it. They're all great records, in, in our opinion. Definitely. So first, I'm going to start with Steely Dan, Asia. Great record. Yeah. And so this one, you know, is, this is cheating a little bit because every, like, insider jazz. And it's even, like, almost a jazz record. It's almost like, a jazz it's so record. And it's like Wayne Shorter's, totally. you know, has a very prominent role in it. There's even, like, you know a tune that's not really a blues, but called a blue, you know, Deacon blues. Yeah, totally. and yeah, yeah. So it's got some, some fairly overt references, but I mean, it's really a high levels, you know, seventies pop album, I guess, or whatever. It I mean, is. it's one of the greatest albums in the seventies, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the sound on it's amazing. I think sound is that is Steve Gadd? It's Steve Gadd. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some of the greatest so-called session play, but just some of the greatest musicians uh, that play studio musicians. It's unbelievable. Black yeah. cow, oh, yeah. Asia itself, you know, uh, Deacon blues, un- unbelievable. And, and definitely easily crossed over into jazz and, and so much you can pull out. I mean, just from the chord changes on Black Cow. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Those are like slash chords, and it, it might as well be a Pat Metheny tune. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Great stuff there. All right, so our second album is Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. This is absolutely Marvin Gaye's masterpiece. This is another one of the best albums of the 1970s. I think it was 19... Right on 70, wasn't it? 70, 70 yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, a, a somewhat political album... Yeah. And an interesting recording process. I mean, a lot of jazz musicians, Detroit area jazz musicians, yep. played on this record and just killed it on this record. Yep. And this is also Marvin Gaye. It's sort of his artistic peak of, 
you know, the stories go that he would come in and just arrange on the spot, and there right. was a lot of slicing and dicing on this. And a lot of collaboration between the so-called session musicians and Marvin. Oh, exactly. On One of my favorite tracks on this is What's Happening, Brother. If you can yeah. go transcribe the chord changes to that. I mean, that to me is, is soul music encapsulated in about two minutes. It's unbelievable. Yep, yeah. Yeah, and it's a great, uh, you know, representation, I would say, uh, among many, but, but an iconic one of, of uh, more of the jazz influence on R&B or pop or whatever, as opposed to like a fusion record or something, yeah. but really the, the influences of it. And, and again, just an incredible recording from beginning to end. Oh, Inner City Blues. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it works in as, a, as an album, too. Yeah. You know, it's like definitely... Part one be, and part two. Totally. Yeah. To be listened to all the way through. Yeah, and a lot of, you know, like seamless transitions and stuff between the grooves and yeah. tunes. Um, so next, I'm going to go to Stevie Wonder. And, you know, Stevie Wonder has a very special place in, in sort of the world of jazz because he's very influenced by it. He's a, a very, you know, obviously incredible musician, but he's a, a, a very adept jazz musician. A lot of people don't know that. I mean, I've heard him um, sit in at a club in New Orleans at 1 o'clock in the morning, play Giant Steps no, on a keyboard. No way. Yeah, yeah. That's surprisingly, surprisingly good. And I know he has a big affinity for jazz. Grew up, you know, playing it and his kind of you know for him to go back and forth in jazz it's not like a dabbling thing it's just yeah. a part of who he is seamless yeah um and so i would take i mean there's so many great records maybe on this one i'm going to cheat a little because i'm going to say inner visions but i'm also can i throw in a little asterisk for like songs in the key of i life, mean i'm going to throw an asterisk for talking book on this because oh, on talking book yeah i know? mean i mean we could you know i mean and really if you think about it like uh what, what was the movie with the with the green cover and the uh secret life of secret plans, like of plans. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in terms of jazz, you know, we got to get back to what we, I, I'm getting excited now. So, we, so these are seven non-jazz albums for jazz heads. That's kind of a good one because jazz heads always want to get something that's sort of unknown and esoteric. Right. A lot of people don't know about that record. Oh, that's but I mean, any of those are great. But you know what's so great about Stevie's writing? I mean, he uses like whole tone scales and like all yeah. these, you know, and slash chords and tritone substitutions and yeah. all these things. And he that, writes in crazy keys. It's always like G flat. B, B, yeah, B, yeah, totally. And I mean, I think jazz musicians have a lot to grasp onto. Uh, you know, that's kind of an obvious one, Peter, honestly. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I mean, so let's go to a more non-obvious choice. Okay. Michael Jackson. Oh, 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 wow. Michael Jackson. <laughs> now, this next one is, uh, <laughs> is Thriller. And this is, uh, have you ever heard of this record? I heard, of, I heard a little bit about it. I think it's, uh, I think it was like 1995. <laughs> uh, not quite. No, no, no. Of course, Michael Jackson's, you know, famous Thriller, one of the greatest albums. You know what year this is? Is this the anniversary? No. No. I mean, what year it came out? Oh, is it? 83? I think it's 82. 82. And look, we're doing this in real time. I know you guys think we're sitting with like a bank of interns here looking up things on the internet and telling them in our ears, but I don't see that. Do you see that? You would Adam? be shocked at how slapdash this all is. <laughs> exactly. I Maybe think not. Maybe you wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I would, exactly. <laughs> They're like, no, it sounds like that, actually. Um, I'm going to say 82 because I think it was like, I, I was in, now I'm messing up. I was either in seventh or eighth grade, but I was like really the target demographic for that. I think record. you're right. I think it's 82. Not in terms of musical knowledge or complexity or anything, but I mean, that's like one of the, if not the greatest selling record of all time. So you got to hit the kids hard with that, yeah. which it did. But I mean, what an era that you could have a record that musically sophisticated and just production. Oh my goodness. Sophisticated. And the level of players on their session musicians, you're talking about, you know, some, stu some of the great studio musicians and. and Toto. Yeah. It was like, you know, Toto guys were on that. Yep. 
Um, and, and I mean, you know, such a deep record. And, and I mean, you know, for, for, for me, oh, wait, this is yours. Man. Why am I stealing this? Sorry. I'm going, I'm yeah, no, you're doing a good job, man. You're doing a really good job. Probably because I didn't know what the year was. So. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's, I mean, and I think, you know, Quincy Jones is probably yeah. really the link there when we talk about, you know, non-jazz record for jazz heads, for sure. Underrated cut on Thriller is the first track, Baby Be Mine. Oh, Baby Be Mine. Unbelievable. Deep. I mean, Sounds like it could on be that. on Off the Wall, actually, yeah. in, a little, in a lot of ways. Yep. But that was a little bridge between that. That, court, that key change at about three minutes. Man, that's good yeah. stuff. Nice. All right, next, um, well, let's go with uh, something right from around that era, maybe a year or two later, and that is Herbie Hancock's Rocket. Now, you might say, oh, Herbie Hancock, yeah. that's a jazz record. Sounds now, that familiar. Is, that is not a jazz record. And this, uh, you know, Rocket is an interesting record because Herbie, you know, went way off the reservation with this record. But I actually think it's a great record. I mean, a lot of, like, jazz heads, you know, would kind of put that one to the side. But I think it's a fun record. I think it's, like, a culturally significant record. And if you were around, like, I was pretty young when that record came out, but I was a little bit aware of what was going on around me. I was just old enough to sort of know what was going on. And, like, what that record and that track and the video for it did culturally with, like, MTV and the way that M MTV was very segregated up to that point. And, I mean, of course, Michael Jackson had a lot to do with this. But, I mean, that was an era when, you know, black artists were still not played on white radio. And not because it was illegal, just because of, like, the cultural way things were done. Crazy. And, you know, for sure, Thriller, I mean, and Off the Wall, you know, those records changed a lot of that. But Herbie, in his own way, you know... And it's crazy because he's a jazz. He's, he never stopped being a jazz pianist, and there's some jazz stuff on there. If you, you don't have to, you don't have to dig that deep to find it. That's great. You know, for me, Rocket was like a slightly. I was just slightly too young to remember it in, in the real time. Yeah. And then as I got into jazz and Herbie Hancock, I sort of avoided it. Yeah. Because it was like his, you know, his commercial big hit commercial yeah. one, right? But I need to get, I need to check that out. I mean, I, of course, I know the song and I know the video, but I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna look that up tonight. Yeah. So that brings us to our uh, our second to last. Uh, uh, non-jazz album for this jazz. This must be has. number six. Then. This would be number six, <laughs> and this is Carol King's uh, um, masterpiece, Tapestry. Unbelievable okay. album. The songwriting, the production, the players, uh, everything about this is so good. The lyrics, yeah, the, the sound on it. The sound Ooh. on it is, is is unmistakable. I you can just as soon as you hear that bass drum, yeah, you know it's like, oh yeah. Playing. That's not the record. Get the record. It's Get even the record. better. <laughs> no, and then you've got you know I feel the earth move under my feet. And yeah. what's the what's the, what's the big one? The um... yeah. what's that song? I don't know. Uh, oh, it's too late because it's oh yeah, yeah. too yeah that's late. right yep such a great record so many I mean that's a that's a great one too actually the there's so much you know you can blow over the changes yeah. to it's too late. Sharp 11s yep. everywhere. You know what yep. I mean? There's a lot of jazz references. In yeah, there. that's it for jazz heads for sure. Um, so we just got one more, right? That's it. Uh, I mean, that, this just making me think about we, we really, this could be 777. Well, you know what we, we should do time. next time? We should do seven uh, classical albums for jazz heads. Ah, I, could, I, like I was it. thinking a bunch of them. That's good. You know, as we were going yeah. here. Um, okay, I'm going to go for number seven. I'm going to make an executive decision, and we're going to go Prince Purple Rain. 
Amazing. Now, so and, and a great record. And I mean, I got a little bit back into here, like talking about Thriller and Rocket. It kind of put me back to being a teenager and stuff in Purple Rain, you know, during my high school years of, of, of that record. Or actually, I think I might have been in eighth grade, actually, when that came out. But I mean, so I'm a little bit caught in the 80s. I'll admit that. But I would say Prince, and really this goes beyond just that record. But um, he's somebody that really should be on the radar and probably is for most jazz heads. Uh, if, if you're going to venture off off of strict jazz recordings, because his level of musical artistry and understanding was at such a high level, so like it's not even necessarily about saying like, well, he could play these chords, and yeah, he could, and he and he had a great awareness of jazz and an influence in blues, and on all those things. But just his level of of instrumental mastery and vocal mastery yeah. is, is really what, and that's something that we celebrate all the time in jazz music. One of the greatest performers of all time. Yeah. Of, of, of any genre anywhere. I mean, he's, he's an unbelievable guitarist, an instrument, a great drummer, like, you know, all these things. He can do everything. Obviously, the vocal prowess is evident, but, you know, the, yeah. the showmanship, the dancing and the songwriting, everything. The production, oh, yeah. all of it is at such a high level. Yeah, and I mean, I think Purple Rain, you know, there's a lot of, like, to me, very deep blues. And thinking back, like, that was in some ways what first really gave me blues and gospel, you know, yeah. um, and, and really like that foundation, but, but put into such a sophisticated and modern pop sensibility on that, you know, great stuff. You'll hear it. That's it for today's episode of the You'll Hear It podcast. For more information or to hear more of these podcasts, go to openstudionetwork.com slash podcast. 